Lord, we just thank you for today for how much you love us and care for us. We ask you to guide and lead us. Show us what you want us to learn today. In your son's precious name, amen. Luke chapter 7. We've got uh, this week and at least next week left in Luke chapter 7. So we're going to be in verse 31 through 35. And the Lord said, And where then shall I liken the, this men, the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you said, He is a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and you have said, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. There's a lot in here that we want to take a look at. You know, John the Baptist had just sent his disciples over to Jesus to say, you know, what's going on? You know, tell us, you know, are you the Messiah? And Jesus showed him all there was and sent him. Then he praised John the Baptist, and the leaders did not accept the test his testimony of John. And so Jesus is looking at them and going, what shall I liken this generation to? And he goes, you, they are like unto children. I want to stop there for just a moment. To be called a child, especially back then, was one of the worst things you can do. And even in today's world, is not a really nice thing if you call somebody a child. And I believe that when Jesus said, you are like a child, he was using all the negatives that he could think of. People that acted childish, that did not have a well-thought-out plan, that were, had a lot of problems, that they were all of these things that were out there. Um, in Mark 9, 35-37, Jesus said that we need to be like children, but not childish, but like them in simple faith. All right. So there were times when Jesus used children in a positive light, I do not believe this is one of those things. He is saying that you are being childish. You are not able to understand truth. And this is something that when you're educating people, you need to find out where they're at. All right? If you're teaching children, you do not teach you know, a kindergartner advanced algebra. And hopefully when they get high school, they're able to learn advanced algebra and they're not still trying to learn kindergarten math. All right, but this is what Jesus is saying. You are being childish. You know, he goes, you're calling to one another, saying that, you know, we've piped and you have danced and we've mourned and you have not, you have not wept. He's going, you're, you're, you're being very fickled. These people didn't like it anyway. You know, they wanted to be in charge. They wanted their way. How many times do we like things our way? <laughs> You know, it gets that way many times. I want it done my way or the highway. You know, uh, if you're not doing it my way, get out of my way. You're, in my, you know, you're not doing it the right way. And this is hard sometimes. I've seen many managers who can't get around, get around, get past this. You know, they put somebody in charge of something and then take it back from them because it's not being done exactly the way they wanted it to be done. And that's not a good place to be. As long as the job gets done, the way that it gets done is not a problem. And here Jesus is telling them, he goes, you know, you're being fickled. He goes, John came to you, 
And he was a very austere, serious man. He didn't drink. He didn't wear fine clothes. He ate locusts and honey for his, for his meals. And what did you say of him? He's a devil. He has a devil. You know, he did not give you a nice, soft, easy message. And this is the kind of thing you find in churches today. Our world is wanting to hear nice, soft, easy message. Just tell me that God loves me and let me go home. Don't tell me that God has any rules for my life. Don't tell me that he's got hell in place for me if I don't turn to Jesus Christ. Don't give me all the truth of God and ask me to make a decision to follow him. And we have hundreds and thousands of churches across America that give you just that kind of message. You know, God is good, God is kind, just, you know, all people are going to go to heaven. That is not his message, but that is what many of these churches will tell you. And Jesus is telling the, these Pharisees, you know, and you think he's talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were bad about this. You know, the Pharisees were bad about criticizing people for not keeping the law. But John the Baptist kept calling them out. He called them really nice things. He called them a brood of vipers, whitewashed sepulchers. <laughs> you know, and these guys were the holy men, the ones that were, that were supposed to be following God. And, and they didn't like John because he called out the fact that they were just on the surface. Their hearts had never been changed. And this is what God wants. He wants our heart changed. He wants our heart changed turn to him to, to enter into heaven because outward expressions don't mean anything and we've all probably done it where we put on the, the right face in front of the right people so that they would think that we were just playing their game and sometimes we were uh, there are times when I have to be careful what I say at the prison you know now I'm not going to lie I'm not going to whitewash what I believe but I'm also not going to open up a conversation with you know your lesbianism is a sin you know, that's not the place for that, that kind of talk. Now, if they ask me directly about it, then I'm going to tell them what God says about it. But I'm not out there to preach to them. That's not my job, but I do talk to them about God. I tell them about God's grace and about his mercy. I tell them that God loves them and died for their sin. But, you know, this is important. John the Baptist called out their sins, and they did not like him. He was a mean man as far as they were concerned. And then... Jesus said, and then I came along, and I go to the parties, I hang out with the, with the sinners, and you say that I'm a drunkard and a gluttonous man and, and hanging out with sinners. What is Jesus saying? We can't win either way with you guys. You, know, you look at me and say I'm a terrible sinner because I, hang, I'm, I dare to go to places where sinners are. Well, you know, it's important for us as Christians that we need to be near where sinners are to be able to tell them the gospel message. That doesn't mean we go to the bar and hang out or the brothel and hang out or these things, but we go where sinners are and we talk to them and we, and we, and we meet with them. If we, all we do is come to church and talk to other Christians, we'll be built up, we'll be edified, but you know, people won't be getting saved. We need to be out inviting people to come to church, inviting people, telling them about Jesus, getting, getting the gospel message out. Because if we're never out there and all we ever do is hang out with other Christians, the world goes to hell. And this is a very big thing. Jesus said, John, everybody went out to see him because he was, he was a nutcase. Everybody wanted to go see the nut. 
He goes, I'm hanging out with the, with the sinners, and you guys aren't happy. You guys are still not happy. You weren't happy with the, austere, the austerity of John, and you're not happy with me going out and meeting people. And this is the way the world is. The world always has excuses for not listening. But you know, I'm not going to just say the world only has excuses. How many of us have excuses on why we can't do anything? You know, God, you know, I didn't read my Bible yet today. You know, I got up late. The, the, coffee, machine, the coffee pot wouldn't work. The, the, you know, I had to go to the store and buy the eggs for breakfast. And you know, by the time I did all of that, God, it was time to go to work. And I just did not have time to do anything for you. We all have excuses on why we couldn't find time. Well, you know, God, I got back from work. You know, my favorite movie was on today, so I had to go watch my favorite movie. And after that, this favorite sports team was playing. I just didn't have time to read your Bible today. We need to be very careful because excuses are everywhere. And excuses were used right at the very first day of the first sin of the Bible when Adam and Eve were there and, you know, Adam, you know, goes, you know, the woman you gave me, God, she gave me this fruit. You know, uh, God, it's her fault, but, you know, but God, if you hadn't given her to me, I, I wouldn't have eaten this fruit either. And then, of course, Eve blamed the, the serpent. The blame game has been going on forever. The excuse game has been going on forever. We have got excuses. Now, I kind of just started to think about in the Bible, how many excuses were there in, in the Bible at times, you know, and I was thinking about that one. I thought about when God called, called Moses. Moses is at the burning bush. And God comes to him and he says, you know, uh, I want you to go back to Egypt. His first excuse was a pretty good one. Uh, God, uh, Pharaoh wants to kill me. <laughs> I'm a wanted man back there. I go back there. To, I go back there. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to prison. And God says, Pharaoh's dead. The Pharaoh who wants you is dead. You don't have to worry about that. Then he goes, you know, uh, God, uh, I just am uh, a little bit slow in speech. <laughs> I can't speak very well. And God says, I'll provide Aaron to speak for you. You know, this is very interesting. God had an answer for each one of his answers. Uh, Proverbs 22, 30, uh, 13 tells us that the lazy man says there's a lion in the street, so he lays in bed. It also says he's in the city. <laughs> so there's no lion in the street, but he had you know, an excuse. Can't go out there. There might be a lion out there. I cannot go out there. <laughs> How many times do we maybe use those excuses that aren't even legitimate excuses? God, uh, something might happen, therefore I cannot go out to do anything. We need to be very careful. In Jeremiah 1.6, Jeremiah, God calls Jeremiah and he goes, God, I'm just a child. And God says, go anyway. I'm sending you. You know, we see all of these things out there and it's very important that we understand. You know, Isaiah 6 tells us about Isaiah seeing the Lord high and lifted up. And when he sees God, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. God, I am not worthy to serve you. And the angel took a fire from the, ta- from the altar and, and put it on his lips and says, now you have been cleaned. 
Jesus in Luke uh, 14, uh, 18, excuse me, 14 tells us about a man going, I just bought a yoke of oxen, I can't go and serve you. I just got married, I can't serve you. My family member just died, I can't serve you. What is, what is my point on this? Excuses are all across the board and always have been across the board. We need to look at, say, God, am I really having an excuse that matters? Or do I just need to rely on him and let him take care of what's going on? This is an important thing step for us. Um, there's an old song, and the guy that came and sang here you know, for us, he goes, excuses, excuses, everyone's got excuses. You know, and you know, it's quite interesting you know, because people's excuses will be it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too muggy, it's too, too dry, it's, too, it's raining too hard, it's too, too much sunshine. Uh, you know, the pastor's too loud, he's too quiet, he's too dogmatic, he's, he's not dogmatic enough. You know, the people looked at me funny, they didn't look at me at all. You know, we can have a hundred excuses out there. But the real question that comes down to is, are we trusting God? You know, and this is what we always have to look at. Satan is a master at knowing what will keep us away from God. He will make sure that if we got a problem, that he'll put us right in front of the person who's going to be the one that triggers our problem. If there's somebody at the church that we don't like, guess who the first person you're going to see in the parking lot of that church is going to be? The very person that you don't like. Trying to keep you away. You know, for, for when we had little children, it was an amazing thing that the, the children would, either, would always get into something right, be, right about the time we're supposed to be getting in the car. Mess up their clothes. The baby would mess their diaper really well. Uh, you know, spit up on us, you know. <laughs> you know. It didn't matter anything to try to keep us from church. Somebody would fall down, get hurt, you know. And they'd start running around. Now, we didn't, we didn't have a runner in our family, but, but all these things will happen. And Satan is a master to say, I'm going to keep this person away. For some people, it'll be, how many times do they get sick on Sunday morning? Right in time to go to church, they don't feel good. As soon as church is about halfway done and they could have gone, they start feeling really good and they're good for the rest of the day. You know, now, when you're really sick, stay home from church. Don't get me wrong. But you know, if you're finding a pattern in this that you seem to be getting sick every day before church, start coming to church. You know, all of this comes down to what will keep us away from all of this. And then Jesus goes at the very end of the statement, he says, but wisdom is justified of her children. Now, this is kind of an interesting way to put this. Jesus said, you didn't like John. You don't like me. But are you listening to wisdom? Are you listening to wisdom? And this is something that is very interesting. I want to read out of... Uh, Proverbs 8, because Proverbs 8 gives us a beautiful description of wisdom. As soon as I find it. Proverbs 8, starting at verse 32. 
Now therefore hearken unto me, O you children, hearken, uh, blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instructions, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, who, and shall obtain favor with the Lord. But he that sins against me wrongs his own soul. All they that hate me love, love death. And this, is, this whole chapter starts out with wisdom calling in the street. So I kind of started in. But, you know, this is very interesting. Jesus is saying, wisdom is justified of her children. So he's looking at, first off, we are to listen to God's words. God's words bring wisdom. I am amazed at how many people that name the name of Christ do things the way the world does it and not the way that God does it. And I've seen this happen many times in business. I know of a businessman. He's a good, godly man. He gives great, great gifts to the church. But he told his salesman that it was all right to lie to the customers. And I'm thinking, all right, the world says you can't make a sale without lying. Why? So I understand why you're saying go ahead and do this. But is that what God says to do? You know, and this is something that's very critical. Are we obeying God in all areas of our life? Now, I know that the answer to that is no. I don't care who you are. The answer to that is no. We're not obeying God in all areas of our life. We need to be. We need to be in his word to find out where those areas aren't being obeyed. And then he said, blessed is he that hears me and watches daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Are we looking for wisdom? Are we in God's word daily? Are we listening for God's ways? Are we seeking God on a daily basis? This is one of the reasons that I say, you know, we've got our Bible reading list, and I encourage you, read through the Bible each day. If you don't like our list, go find your own. It doesn't matter to me what list you're reading, but read the Bible every day. Make it your goal to make it through the whole Bible in a year. It only takes uh, three chapters a day to make it through the whole Bible. Uh, do one in the morning, one at noon, and one at night. I don't care how you do it. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But feed your spirit feed your mind and be changed with God's thoughts seek wisdom seek his word every day watching for him one of the greatest things I've heard people say and I've even done it on occasion God I didn't see you any day I didn't see any opportunity for serving you one of my things that I've learned to pray is God show me who it is you want me to minister to do to today and you know, when I remember to look for those opportunities, I find them. If I'm not looking for them, I don't find them. Now, it's just like God has covered them with just a little bit of dirt and says, okay, uh, are you willing to do a little bit of sweeping and, and find that? You know, I'm not saying we have to dig and mine for the opportunities to serve God, but when we're looking for them, they're out there. The little time when we're just at the right place at the right time to help somebody and give them a kind word encourage them and it doesn't have to be non-christians that we're that we're looking at you know so we have these opportunities to to look for wisdom to hear wisdom 
And it says, for those who find me finds life and obtain the favor of God. When we find God's wisdom, it brings life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. He brings life. When I am looking for his word for life, I find life. And then this section ends with, but he that sins against me wrongs his own soul, and they that hate me love death. Love death. This is an interesting statement. How many people love death that you know? And I'm not, we're not even speaking physical death. Emotional and mental death. Now, there are a lot of people that will go out and sin just because they want to numb something. All right? Uh, we'll go to alcohol because it's the most obvious of it, but all sin is def definitely the same thing. I've had a really bad day, so I just have to go out and mellow out. I need this drink to get back onto it. I need this joint to be able to get mellowed out. I need this TV, you know, this lazy TV show just to mellow out because everything's being bad. I need this relationship because I want to forget about all my other problems. The bottom level of sin is that I want to forget something and focus on something that supposedly brings me pleasure until I get trapped in that activity. And then that activity demands more and more and more of me until I am no longer serving God. And now what used to be a slight mellowing out of my emotions is now a possessor of my entire life and is now a new stressor. That I look for something else to get into to, to it, but I still can't get free of the previous sin, so now I'm adding another sin on top of that. And before long, my entire life is just pursuing all these things to try to forget all the problems that I brought into my life because I'm not following God in life. We need to be very careful about that. He is the only one that can break the chain of sin. And I use all the sins because all sin is the same thing. All sin is addictive, and I would not be sinning if I didn't get some small enjoyment out of it at the beginning. But after a while, I lose that enjoyment, and it becomes ensnaring to me. We need to come to God and let him break those chains and set us at liberty and say, I am going to take you away to something else and I'm going to put you in me and give you life. I love following God. Now, I'm not saying I don't have sins. I've got plenty of sins that have me in bondage as well. We all do. And our job is to get so close to God that we start giving him our bondage in whatever area it is. Any area that is bondage, we give to him and say, God, I need your help. And if that's not enough, we got Satan trying to throw a bondage at us as well. You know, he'll put people in our life that are toxic to us and make life difficult. You know, and then we have to turn to him and say, God, I need help to learn to love this individual. You know, and I understand that can be hard at times. It can be really hard to love somebody. It can be hard to love somebody so much and care about them so much and not get anything in back in return and still love them. And that's when we need to turn to God even deeper and more completely and let him give us the love to give to them. Give him allow, give us the 
mercy and truth and, and forgiveness that is true. It says, mercy is justified of all her children. The, the Pharisees at that time knew that Jesus was saying that you aren't wise. You guys aren't wise. You're not, you're not following God. You're not seeking after God. Because they understood. They understood all these things I just said about wisdom. They understood that wisdom came from hearing God's word and all these things. They didn't necessarily believe it. But they knew it. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, Paul tells us that the gospel is life. The, the crucifixion death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is life. To the Jews, a stumbling block because they think it's all about the laws. And to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, he says, it is craziness. They don't understand it because they are in a, they're in a religion that says, oh, well, all you got to do is be nice to the gods and do things the gods want and they'll accept you. The Jews understood that God wasn't going to accept you except through the sacrifice, but they didn't like Jesus being that sacrifice. So we need to be able to understand when we're talking to people in, our, in today's world and telling them the gospel message, in America, mostly we're talking to people with the Greek mentality anymore. Before the 50s and uh, 1950s around here, we were teaching, talking to people who were basically Jews. They understood the gospel message. They understood there was one God and you can't please him and it took Jesus Christ to, to get saved and they understood that. Today's world, if you talk to enough people, almost all of them will tell you the same thing. Well, if I'm just good enough, God will take me into heaven. And I like that. I'm going, okay, fine. Tell me how good good enough is. Nobody can tell me how good good enough is to please God. How many sins does it take to not be good enough? Well, if you read the Bible, one. Romans 8, uh, 6.23, the wages of sin, singular, is death. One sin is all it takes to deserve hell. Which is why we need to come back with them and say, you're not good enough. Without Jesus Christ, you are not good enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to this world to pay the debt that we could never pay. To satisfy a, royal, a holy, just God. Yeah, and this is the other people. Well, God is love. He'll just take all people into heaven. Well, he is love. But he is also holy and just. He is a good judge. A good judge penalizes the bad that people have done. You know, if a judge is up there saying, okay, I'm a really, I just like everybody, I think everybody's wonderful, every case, dismissed. You murdered 19 people and, and 100 people saw you and you're guilty, dismissed. I love you so much, I'm just dismissing you. That is, you know, there would be an outcry against that judge saying, get that judge off the bench. That person does not deserve to be a judge. They are not a good judge. God is a good judge. He punishes the evil. This is why Jesus had to die so that, that he took the full weight of sin 
He has said that he is our propitiation, which means he took all the anger of God towards sin upon Jesus. Now when people stand before God, they're going to stand in the righteousness of Christ if they've accepted Jesus Christ, or they stand in their own righteousness, which is filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64, uh, 64, 6. And they will be sent to hell because they're not perfect. They don't have the perfect righteousness of Christ on them. Not because of their sin, but because they don't have perfect righteousness. And this is the beauty of this. God says wisdom is justified of her children. Do you know God's word? Do you read his word? Do you understand his word? And God says wisdom stands with its children. Their children of wisdom will be justified because of that wisdom. Now I know I'm talking to most everybody in this church that knows God, but you know, this is going out online. So, but if you don't know God and, he, and you're suffering from these things, go before him and say, God, I need your help. I need your help to be victorious. I need you. Jesus, I need you to cleanse me of my sin and to give me the strength to, be, to get over these sins and to forgive us. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. We ask you to bless us. We ask you to bless the food to our body that we're going to eat. And just help us to make good decisions for you at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23 we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us, so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10.9-8 says, That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this. God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, Tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431.